Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Testing Peers podcast. My name is Chris Armstrong and tonight I am being joined by the one and only Shay Crompton. Hey, how's it going? David Maynard. Hello there. And Russell Cracksford. Good day. Tonight we are going to be talking about a subject that we have predetermined, so no weird of names. We're going to be talking about hybrid working. Hmm... There'll be some interesting things to talk about here tonight, I think. But before we dive into the uh, wonderful Russell Cracksford banter, we just want to say thank you to our sponsor, Saffron QA. Saffron QA are continuing to sponsor our podcast, and they are a specialist in testing recruitment, offering permanent contract and newly developed retained crew recruitment services. More details can be found in the show notes, or please reach out to Ben Letitia directly. To find out more, Russell, over to you. Mm, so hybrid, that was the conversation for today, isn't it? So I'm not going to do anything obvious because that's just silly. I mean, like to be abstract and weird. But we were talking about something else before. We were talking about festivals. So I'm going to ask you each about your festival or favourite music experience. So tell me a little bit about what you've enjoyed most, uh, a concert, event, festival, be what it is. Let's give an insight into our musical tastes. Shay should go first. He's going to a festival tomorrow. I am going to a festival. Uh, it's not going to be my answer, though. Uh, it's a lovely festival that I go to, but uh, my most wonderful and uh, sort of music experience was going to see the, uh, the band I follow the most or love the most, whatever, uh, ACDC. I went to see them at Wembley uh, a few years ago now, about 12-ish years ago. Um, and it was it was wonderful. It was really, it was just amazing watching watching this band I've followed for years. And Angus, the lead guitarist, halfway through the concert, he's wearing his school uniform and then starts doing a strip tease and the crowd went nuts. And it's about halfway through that, I realized that there were 80,000 people cheering a 65-year-old man doing a striptease. There we go. Not it was still you see awesome. every day, is it? <laughs> no, no. But it was awesome, yeah. Uh, for me, I'll go back to the early 90s, so quite a long time ago. There was a sort of a celebratory concert called NetAid to raise money. And um, so I went to it as part of that and managed to see amongst many of the, many of the acts there was Robbie Williams, I think there was George Michael, but I think the highlight was watching David Bowie, which is quite a good thing to watch. Did wow. he sing Starman? He did, yes. Chris, can you think of just one? That's my question. <laughs> well, the best quality live act I've ever seen was Green Day, because Billy Joe, Uncle Billy Joe Armstrong, he's a, a stupendous singer live and the band did tremendously however that wouldn't be my favorite concert of all because friends i attended eurovision's 60th birthday party wow so i got to see like brotherhood of man and dano international all the greats all the greats conchita some truly wonderful happy eurovision tracks and honestly like I've never felt so unintimidated in a huge crowd 
of people because everyone was just happy and full of love and joy like there was no moshing it was everyone was singing along it was just a really happy place to be mock me as you may do eurovision brings me joy and it was a really fun night never would have guessed it would have been a eurovision answer <laughs> little i know you chris sorry so i guess that's me leaves me the last one really mine was probably a festival uh, it was probably Leeds Festival, and it's probably going back to the noughties. And I think I saw Muse in like the Radio 1 tent or something at the time. They were quite small. And I think that was probably the, the best thing ever, if that makes sense to me. They just rocked. I think it's the simplest term I can use for it, and it showed my age by using that term. But they were just amazing live. And obviously, they've gone on and done even better. So I need to go and see them again. I need to see the progression. So that's uh, on my to-do list before I die, my bucket list. Amazing. So yeah, we'll do that at some point. Or before so, we break up. Don't say such things. <laughs> what? <Such words. laughs> what? No, when the rumours start. <laughs> you heard it here first. He mentioned, he mentioned Robbie Williams earlier. Can you see a theme? <laughs> anyway, hybrid. Hybrid working. How are we finding it, people? <laughs> I don't know if anyone kind of has noticed that it means something different to absolutely everybody. I haven't got a flipping clue on what people actually mean when they write down they do hybrid work. Well, I think I think it's your classic. It depends on the context. It depends on the company. Every company that I talk to does different things. My company are incredibly flexible in that they allow people to come into the office whatever day they want for as met for as many days as they want in a long term and that there are other companies in the area that dictate that you need to be in on a certain number of days there are other companies that say they have to be in on particular days during the week um i think it very much depends on the company but i also think that every individual has a certain uh understand or what they perceive to be their ideal of hybrid working and so therefore it's trying to match up what your ideal is to the company's uh, impression yeah it's interesting i think i so i was talking with uh, with somebody the other day about uh, this the new the new ways of working and you know i think it is probably for me the greatest thing that has come out of the horrible pa pandemic that we had the ability to work from home for significant parts of the week, if not all the week, is is just brilliant. It's, it's been a game changer for me. Just like now, I mean, we're, we're, we've got inflation at whatever it is, 9% at the moment, and you know, prices rising left, right and center, petrol is costing stupid amounts. And I was thinking if I had to go into the office five times a week, like I used to into London, I couldn't do that now. I couldn't afford it. So, you know, what that, what that is, this way of working has allowed is me to afford to live really. I find hybrid a bit of a weird concept because I think even before this pandemic, I was probably working hybrid, but I was much more focused in the office than at home. I had the availability to work from home when I wanted, but now I've pivoted to more, I work in the office, less frequency. So that's kind of the, the equivalent of occasionally working from home for me. But I have to say, it changes quite a lot. So in consultancy, it depends a lot on the client needs and the client situation. So I've actually gone from hybrid working to 
full-on office working again. And I have to say, I enjoyed the flexibility more than anything else. The fact that I could choose to collaborate with my team or to build a team, to get the team built together, or I could choose to be disparate and working from home. And you've got occasions where you're working with clients in multiple countries. It doesn't make much value going to an office working. There's other times when you're forming that team of inexperienced people that actually being able to gather around computer desks and build a sort of fun atmosphere enables that team to function much better. So I kind of like this hybrid because it gets you to choose. I don't like you must all work from home. You must all work in the office. It's kind of the, the flexibility. And I like the fact that it's more balanced now than it once was. It was, I could work from home maybe a day a week, maybe a day a month sort of thing. Whereas now I'm more in the world more often where I can work in the office maybe a couple of times a month. But again, to your point earlier about what is hybrid, it varies in every single job. I think it's like hybrid cars. Every single one is different. Different mm -hmm. range, different capabilities. It has a completely ambiguous meaning. Some people have to go to the office two days a week, four days a week. It has to be set days. Some people can choose the days and it varies quite dramatically. So it is one of those words that has so many meanings. An interesting future coming up. It's really interesting because I think a lot of people adjusted to working from home pretty easy, right? And had decided this is for me 100% of the time. But I, I don't know about you, but I kind of miss people sometimes. And while my my role doesn't dictate that I, I spend a lot of time in person with folks, when I do, I travel a long way to go and do it and try and get the best out of that time with those people while I can. But have you noticed sometimes when you've had to go into the office, this isn't when you've chosen necessarily, that you've ended up doing things that might have been better to do back at home? I, I do pick my days when I do go into the office because I don't see any point in going into an open plan office and having personal meetings or catch-ups with my group in an open plan office. I don't think that's right. So therefore, I would go into a, into a meeting room. What is the point in going all the way into work in order to spend the day in an office when I can work from home in private and have all those meetings at home? So I do pick and choose which days I go in uh, completely part, as part of that. See, that's the only reason I go into the office at the moment is if, uh, if there are meeting some people in person, um, I kind of plan that the day for that. So I'll go in maybe every couple of weeks, um, uh, one, one day a week, and that day will be pretty much full up of face-to-face -face meetings and catch-ups and work, workshop-y pairing things or whatever. Um, and I get very little keyboard work done, shall we say. So that that is what I'm enjoying at the moment. It's like I go two weeks without anybody, and then people, 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 and then go home and have two weeks without without anybody around me. And I, I'm it refreshes me. I like it, and uh, um, I think I think it's a. I'm enjoying the way that I've I've structured that day. We do a day at our office. We call it test group in the office. So once a month on a Thursday. Uh, so it's actually happening tomorrow. We have we encourage people in the test group to come together, and as part of that, we have a group meeting which we can have in a meeting room and so people can meet face to face and have a group uh, sort of meeting which is quite very useful and people are 
are enjoying it. I think occasionally we have social things at the end of the day as well. Jumping forwards a little bit here, perhaps uh, one of the thing, things that I'm seeing is a, that's a little bit more co concerning is the, the 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 death of this new way of working by a thousand cuts. So obviously, you know, famously uh, Goldman Sachs, the head of Goldman Sachs, said, "No, you, there's no way you, you can um, you can work from home." And then uh, what was it uh, recently? Um, Sports Direct or the, the the company that owns Sports Direct and House of Fraser and all the rest of that, they've stopped their work from home Fridays because they were monitoring the what was it? They were monitoring all the social media and everything like that of their of their their employees and deemed them not to be efficient enough at home. And that's worrying me because I, I I want this to stay. I want I want this to be a thing. The US, well, it, it shouldn't be a sort of like it should still be the way the way of working and having to come into the office five days a week should be a special request and you should get paid more for it you know a lot more it does increase your costs as you said like transportation wise if nothing else yeah at time obviously it takes more of your personal time um, which is money it's cost life choices i've got an interesting dilemma for you guys as leaders and other things i thought this is an interesting one to share with you so I've got a, a team who might listen to this podcast or might not, but they're work. They're having to work in an office because one of our clients requires us to access certain systems from an office. I'm a senior leader. I unfortunately, I'm in meetings, discussions. I'm not actually accessing the system, so I have the ability to work remotely. My team can't. See the dilemma there. So I'm generally trying to go into the office every day, even though that theoretically my job could be done anywhere. But my job to support my team can't be. But even there, there's more complications because part of my team are in different countries. So they're not really all there anyway. So it's a complicated one, but it's an interesting one that we're more likely to face as we move forward about having some people that have that maybe insist upon working from an office, want connections with other people. So mine's doing it because of security and requirements and things. Sometimes it can be because people want to be away from home. They don't have the space, the office room, or something like that. So it's interesting to how we face different challenges, I guess, in that situation. So I'm just wondering if anyone has any thoughts, because it's an interesting, there's going to be new challenges we face. It's, it's, it, I, think, I think it's a really good point you make. I think the fact that you're going in, even if you don't have to, is a great thing, because for me one of the things that i look for in a leader and aspire to myself is if i'm asking people to do stuff then i want to make sure that i model those things it shouldn't be up me and my um what did you used to call it david um ivory tower and sitting in my throne at the top and <laughs> and doing all these things I, I i'm not holier than thou like if i'm asking you to sacrifice i should be sacrificing as well if, if you're and, and granted going into an office isn't necessarily a sacrifice but if i'm still asking you to do something that is different from that which you are expecting if you're deviating from those things i should also be a part of that that is that is really important to me yeah. where does that lie does that mean your manager's manager should also go in it's a fantastic question i think ultimately i think it comes down to where where your responsibilities lie and, and where accountabilities lie, because you can't just have 
like everybody who might be dependent on something do stuff do stuff but if if it's if we're just talking about a single one-step separation if i have to be in because something that is my responsibility and i am asking people to do that i would expect myself to be there as well as my team Mm. there is a difference depending on if i'm being asked explicitly to do something by my boss and for different reasons like i think it depends on sort of your location within the scenario and, and parts but if my boss was participant in lots of calls and meetings and things with this work and they were dialing in from their log cabin in their garden which i'm very jealous of whilst i'm in an office and they've been asking all these things from my my team i think i probably would have to have that conversation with them and say i think morale is damaged by these things there is we, we shouldn't have these sorts of it is interesting because then you start implying that other people have to because some parts of teams are and so on and it it gets interesting i think i think my line is direct management like who is responsible for that work should but it, it, it kind of goes on that we want the flexibility and the freedom because you could have a whole team that choose to work in the office to be collaborative in that situation you don't have anything that forces you to you don't have a moral obligation but there's an implicit almost expectation that your team are there therefore it's interesting how it creates different dynamics from the opposite i i do agree with you i, I think it depends on whether they have to go in for project needs as you say if it's a client need then i think that there's a different responsibility for us as managers to go in rather than if it's their choice to go in because there are some you know there there are some people at our work who choose to come into work for mental mental reasons mental health reasons because like like you mentioned you know their rooms are small they you know especially in the heat they want to get the air conditioning and stuff and that's their choice and so therefore that's a different scenario to to actually being dictated to and i i would personally as a manager i would have sympathy and go in more often if i was requesting people to go in because i like like we have just said i would want to be seen as part of that um sort of group that that have to go in if I knew team members were going in, regardless of the reason, I'd probably try and get in more often just to kind of say hello and meet them and so yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, I've I've gone in on first days of of new team members specifically mm-hmm. just to to say hello, not for really any other reason, just to make, you know, just to feel them well make them feel welcome and to see to so to, to for them to see me as a human person rather than uh, just on a Zoom, <laughs> Zoom three-dimensional. Screen. Yeah. I think this is a you know, there's there's an interesting thing here where we where we said it's about having the choice, the mm. flexibility, the choice to be flexible, and I think that the, the the sort of overarching thing here is it's about trust and about understanding that you've hired professionals and adults into your organisation, and you know treating them as such should be should be um, the norm. And that's 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 sort of one of the things when I'm when I read some of these uh, these reports in the news, I'm like, you know, obviously this organisation does not trust its workforce, and that's a bit that's the biggest problem for me. It's it's that trust thing, you know. I I work really hard at being a professional person, and to and I, if I had an organisation that said 
listen, we don't think you, you, you know, any of you can work at work from home because we just don't think you, you, we don't trust you to do your job. Yeah. Well, that's a problem. This is the thing that um, I'm going to give some secrets away, I guess. Well, when I was in, working for some companies in the past, I have been on the internet whilst in the office. I have looked at Facebook whilst in the office. <sighs> I've not dun, been spending no 110% of my time actually doing things because my brain needs breaks. Maybe I walked away from the desk. Maybe I went for a smoke break sort of things. Maybe I went to get a coffee. But generally, I've done things to switch off. And that has included going online shopping, going to Facebook, and other things. So guess what? Mm. When I work at home, those things do happen too. Um, probably less, if I want. <laughs> but mm. not far off similar, I'd probably say, honestly. Um, and you said it's about trust. People do things all the time. People go and have a chat at a desk. How could yeah. you ever monitor that very easily? You can't. Yeah. So respect people, trust people. Because I'm at home, I can spend an extra half an hour or 10 minutes doing something much easier than, oh, we've got to get to the bus. Oh, we've got to get to that train. Or, oh, I've got to meet the rush hour traffic. So I'm much more flexible with my employer because I know that I could be more flexible in my own time. I could have a... 65 minute lunch break and not feel bad about it so the flexibility yeah. works both ways and obviously it's much easier to do that with someone not appearing over your shoulder but if they trust you and you get the work done what is the ultimate measure work being achieved and that's it you know and, and, and I, that you bring up that really important point of you know when you're in the office and you you, you go and you have a coffee and you end up chatting to two or three people and oh that can use up half an hour or an hour of your, of your day i don't know if uh there are if where the statistic comes from but i recall somebody saying uh that most people the most you should be able uh, expect to get out of anybody is 60 percent during a work day you know if some if somebody works for 60 percent of their day that's pretty bloody good so, you know, expecting people to be 100% present online and don't get me started on the on the instant messenger thing is just ridiculous. So and, and then telling them, like, you're not online all the time, therefore we don't trust you, you go back into the office. Well, again, you know, it's a trust thing, isn't it? I found actually that I, I have less breaks when I'm at home because I often have back to back Zoom meetings and I don't get time to move away from my desk in order to to get a drink and and there have been days when from nine o'clock till lunchtime I just haven't had a break I just realized that I haven't actually gone and got a drink or a coffee or whatever and that wouldn't happen in the office I would make sure that you know I'd be five minutes late to the you know leave five minutes to go to to um to get to the meeting room and to grab a water or a drink on the way and and you know make excuses but I don't seem to do that at home I seem to be a lot under a lot of pressure in order to or put myself under a lot of pressure in order to get from one meeting to the next I'm equally bad pre-work and like pre-pandemic and now if that makes sense working from home and things mm. um, but whereas I was work the coffee shop was a 10 minute walk whereas now it's a two minute walk so good point. when I go to that it's much easier much more efficient for me and you waste less time in some regards than I would have done and to Shay's point I don't bump into 10 people I don't end up having a coffee conversation about recruitment or something else and that's a pro and a con there are useful conversations half the time they build networks they help achieve things they solve problems quickly 
but at the same time, it also avoids the distractions. There's a there's a thing that we've we've all experienced though, which is we've learned how to work both in an office and at home, and we've been able to take good habits, identify things that are bad. We've found ways to cope remotely that when maybe we were more comfortable in person and how do we in a hybrid world create environments for new people coming in sure maybe that maybe if they're graduates they might have done remote learning at university but how do people get the valuable things out of being in person and from working from home not not so much on the trust level but how do we give people the tools to be able to do their jobs effectively, but also the paths that they need to tread either virtually or in person to be able to absorb that information that we probably just got by being in and around people 100% of the time, if we're working in an environment that isn't 100% office-based. So for new starters with us, we have a, what we call a buddy, who is the sort of go-to person for just general uh, chat uh, and things to help out on what also we've encouraged is that we highlight for each individual 10 people throughout the company uh, that they we arrange in inductions or introductions with so it's a short meeting just to introduce our new starter and also for the other person to introduce themselves and it isn't you know a set list we make sure that it's bespoke for every person to ensure that um, it covers all their interests and it can be in various different areas in the company. It could be PMs, it could be, um, you know, people within the test group that they might not necessarily always uh, have interactions with um, and to, to help enable that. And also we try and get them onto a project or at least even if it was an internal project as soon as possible. So they're working with, with developers and people as quickly as possible. It is, uh, we, we do a little bit, similar not necessarily the buddy thing but uh, um certainly sort of trying to expose the new person to as many members of the team as possible have a general um i think the managers one of the things that's fairly new is the sort of the managers or the leaders of the of the uk company they once a month have a sort of like who am i and what i what do i do kind of meeting with all the new new starters over over admittedly over zoom and uh, and so there's there are those those open forums, but also we use Slack more more than we use email or any other form of communication in the office. So or the channels on on the teams that we have are quite vibrant, shall we say? And and so there's a lot of messages there, and and people are encouraged just to put their thoughts in there. You know, I need help with this. What, where do I go for that? And we're all, you know, we all treat each other professionally. And so all those silly questions, all the little extra bits are um, are, are given freely to that person. I've got a follow-on question. So a lot of what companies called their culture may well have revolved around like food vans or pool tables or like fun afternoons doing yoga or something mm -hmm. but if we're not doing that like in person what does a company's culture look like 
remotely and in person and how do how is that sort of time spent i think the first thing to talk about there is that's part of your culture there is obviously the expectations of working hours reading emails meetings at different times the behaviors of others to you which really sets the culture apart the the things you described are more the gimmicky things which are useful and do help set a fun environment but if you're then asked to work 12 hour days what's your real culture like remotely though to your point is you can still arrange events you can still have things obviously you can't have a football match if you happen to work around the same city so for example i go with coffees from my boss and things like that and have kind of catch-ups and things remotely uh, so in person sorry obviously it varies but to me it's kind of you can create events you can do frequencies you can do team gets togethers be whole groups small groups test groups company groups scrum groups you name it you can still do things you can do things virtually we did a fantastic uh, treasure hunt sort of thing virtually done quizzes and things scavenger hunt uh things like that so there's things you can do that help build similar sort of fun activities that are optional um i've done places where there was a, a friday night quiz beers you just drop onto a call and just drink beers and do a quiz or not just talk football or the news, et cetera, et cetera. Just drop in chats, but it's changed. You can't play table football remotely. You, I did find you can play poker and other games remotely. You can do online games remotely and things like that. Not for money, just to add. So there are ways of doing certain things similar, but they're obviously never going to be as tactile as in person because they're not in person. And I think there's that acceptance, that mental acceptance that has to happen for, for all of us um, who are working and is, yeah, for, for, for those of us who have worked in office environments, face-to-face -face office environments for many years, I think there's a sort of mental switch that uh, has had to take place or still needs to take place or is taking place around that kind of acceptance of online as a, is as okay as in person or you know something like that around those lines and i think that's for for any anybody in a in a working situation same though that like online fatigue happens like too many zoom calls same as seeing too many people in person some people can feel fatigue like i've seen enough of my colleagues this week uh, i'm going to not go to that event the fact is we're used to seeing colleagues every day we weren't used to zoom calls every day we will naturally adapt a little bit to it, but there'll always be people that decide one way or the other. And that's fine. You're never going to please everyone all the time. This is true. There's a, there, well, there's a, there's a, there's a whole sort of crossover with testing, believe it or not, this is a testing podcast, where there are a lot of assumptions that are being applied by folks when they're looking at, at roles that are hybrid, or maybe like a lot of, a lot of us maybe assumed that we were going to head back into the office full-time, we assumed we were going to be working remotely all the time thereafter because we proved we could do it. So sort of setting forward our expectations and what scope is and, and understanding what is valuable for us as people, as a team, is it valuable for me to be in the office at this time or not? It's almost like we need to have some sort of set of like, I don't know, like questions almost like you do with a definition of done. Like, do I need to be in the office? Check those boxes. Like if I'm, if I've got people reporting to me, it's like, is, is, is that something I need to do in? Is there a mental health reason? Is there a, is there a heat wave and everyone needs to be in the office because there's aircon? 
Sounds like you need to create a heuristic, Chris, or a checklist. I like a good checklist. Possibly that's something that that might be helpful because I because like we've said, there isn't an explicit right or wrong answer. But well, there's probably lots of wrong answers. But I I, I think you know it, it's. I know people that need to be in the office all the time. I know there's like accessibility questions, like some folks can't work well from home for different reasons, or they need to be around people for company, uh, for their mental health and stuff. And, you know, I think we, we need to know our people to, to know ourselves, be aware, self-aware of what we need. Um, and and to, to, it's all right to say no to these things, right? Because I did it for, for a London trip. I've been in for a London trip before and been on a Zoom call. What's the point? Like I can join Zoom from anywhere. So like, I do I know, is it all right to say yes? Is it all right to say no? Does the culture of the company present that to me? Is you know, these are questions that I probably would ask where I talk to somebody who said they were hybrid. What does that mean? So I've got a, hopefully a, possibly a final question for you. Is it right for companies to force people into hot desks if they had their own permanent desk? If they're not coming to the office quite so often? Ooh. I'm going to say DSE. Um, just because of display screen equipment and all the rest of it, the assessments and making sure your workstation is there. I think it's, you would have to be coming in very infrequently to make it effective every time you come in you should be almost doing an assessment of where you are and obviously if you've got needs and you've got to be able to cater for them and most of the hot desk i've ever done is to a desk that's badly set up not configured for example i'm six foot four most of the desks i've ever had had to be raised so that means that the specialist requests that i need a desk that's raised but therefore how do you book it how do you sort it out it just becomes complicated and um, so my view of hot desking is it's great if you people only like come into the office once a month but if you're hot desking like once a week or something like that, then it's not effective. But it's got to be that, it's that, where's that tipping point? Getting equipment that works on hot desks is my biggest challenge. But that can be solved. That's not hot desking itself. That's just equipment. Yeah, that was where I was going to go, go with as well. It's like, um, so in my office, we, we're up to about 70 people now, I think, maybe 50 people uh, in our office. And as one of the first people in the company or one of the longer serving people in the company I have the privilege of having my own desk but it's no different from any of the hot desks because one of the things i did when i got there was say it was stay to our um it support engineer all of these desks need to be have the high quality stuff we can't go all of this is you know for the for the the new people they get all they get all the shoddy shoddy junk if you if you want hot desking to happen in your company, make your desks worth sitting at. Absolutely, but Rust, Rust, your point as well. If you you know if you need specific um, equipment, then I think as an organization, the organization should be able to say right, okay, everywhere is hot desk, but you get your own desk because of your specialist um, requirements, and that's okay. I'm tall, so mine's raising desks and things, but I know a lot of people are short. And then it's things like footstools and stuff like that that come in. So you've got to make lots of variety. Some people need wrist pads and other solutions to kind of do things, specialist mice to stop repetitive strain injuries and so on. 
So I think it gets complicated. And sometimes you have to wonder where the cutoff for that value is. And there is one. But I think you've got to be able to at least cater for the, the specialisms. And that's the thing. For me, I would avoid going in if I had to sit at the hot desk where I couldn't get my legs under the table. It just gets very frustrating. <laughs> not very COVID friendly either, is it? Um, but I, I mean, I personally, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of hot desking. But like you say, it does depend on those sorts of things. You've kind of got to think of the environment, the, te- the people and stuff. Is it useful? Because if everyone is full of this this friction, right, the quality being the removal of unnecessary friction, if we've created unnecessary friction, is it actually useful? Is it a quality working environment? That's a question I'd ask for you. But we're not going to answer that now, are we? No, we're no, not, David. no. We always like to end with a question and then uh, gives us ammunition or scope and content for another podcast. So uh, look out, listen out for that. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks again for Shay for stepping in for the past few weeks. It's likely that we'll have we'll hear from him again Wait, in can, future. Can episodes. Shay not stay? <laughs> well, That's very of, kind. I love get, it. Get rid of Simon. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you very much, Shay, for stepping in, and thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a good discussion. I feel. You can please contact us on the various channels. We've got LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can email us at contact us at testingpeers.com. You can contribute to us to stay on air and produce this content at patreon.com. Look out for Testing Peers in all those places. Thank you again for the our sponsor, Saffron QA. Please reach out to Ben if you want any more information on that. And uh, we'll welcome you back in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you. For now, it's goodbye from the testing peers. Goodbye. Goodbye.